Um, tonight we're going to be in Psalms 46. Uh, of course, the title of this psalm is uh, the Psalm of the Sons of Korah. Uh, we've talked about them. They were, uh, the sons of Korah were Levites from the family of Korah. Um, but it also says a song for Alamoth. Uh, I looked this up. I'm still not sure exactly what that means. Clark said that it's owed upon Alamoth for concerning the virgins, possibly a choir of singing girls, uh, Adam Clark says. Charles Spurgeon wondered if it referred to a high-pitched stringed instrument, as suggested from 1 Chronicles 15 and 20. But nevertheless, it is a psalm of, uh, of the sons of Korah. But it's actually a, a psalm that uh, should give us, uh, again, great confidence in God. That's one, one thing that I, I really like about the psalms, especially the ones uh, of David, that no matter what he went through, still showed his confidence that he had in God and trust that he still had in God. And this, this psalm uh, actually is no different than that. Uh, it actually shows the same thing. But let's get into this, and we'll, we'll talk about it as we go through. The first part here, Psalm 46, we'll go through verse 3. It says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. It's a law. So you have this psalm, just like others, is broke down into different stanzas. This first stanza here um, really talks about the confidence of who God is and what God can do. Uh, Martin Luther actually wrote a, a hymn based on this, uh, uh, this very psalm that, that he, he uh, sang many, many times, as many other individuals have, to bring them comfort, to bring them strength strength to encourage them when they went through uh, the things that they faced. But notice how it starts out here. God is our refuge and our strength. Uh, many of the Psalms begin with a description of, uh, of being in crisis, like many of David's did, of, okay, here's what I'm going through, but here's what God can do, and I know that God can do, and what I'm asking God to do. But here at the very beginning, this is how this Psalm begins. This psalm begins telling what God can do and who God is. He's our refuge and our strength. Uh, and I think uh, the psalmist here could say this by experience. You know, that's, that's how we know that, that God is our refuge and strength. We know that by what God's done for us before. Uh, we can look back in our lives and see the things that, that God has done, even though at the time, we may not have been able to see it. It may have been a struggle for us, but we can look back and see that. Um, when you think about a refuge, uh, especially in this time, you think about the cities of refuge. Why were there cities of refuge? Do you remember? What was the purpose of them? Yeah, when, when you were in trouble... For various reasons, you could go to one of those cities basically until some things could get sorted out. Here, this is actually, I believe more specifically, is what uh, the psalmist is referring to, that God is our refuge. He's our city of refuge. It's the city of God. And, and we enjoy special privilege, privileges of, of being in that. 
But him being our refuge and strength, notice he says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Not that you have to guess, not that will God help me or not, but he's a very present help. So for us to truly trust that God is our, our strength and our, our, our refuge, we have to understand that he's, he's presently that. It's not something that he did for people in the past. It's not something that we're hoping he's going to do in the future. It's something that we know that he's doing now. Now that can change a lot of things, couldn't it? That can change our perspective on how we face things, how we look at things, how we consider things, is knowing that God is our present help in times of trouble. So when I'm going through trouble, He is my help right then. He's who I can trust. He's my refuge. He's my rock. He's my strength. That's who I have to lean on. And I don't know why, and I'm speaking from my own, I guess, personal experience, sometimes as Christians we forget that. We forget to rely on God. You ever heard somebody use the phrase, well, I just have to turn that over to God. I've just got to give it to God. And what do you think of when you hear somebody say that? Does it bring anything to mind? Yeah, they don't know what to do. They, they just said, I, there's not, I, I don't know how to face this. When I hear it, usually the people that I hear say that is usually some denomination. And I don't, very seldom I ever hear somebody that's a member of the church that say, I've just given it over to God. You know, you hear a lot of people in the denominational world will say that, and sometimes we dismiss that because of that, and we don't say that. There's a lot of phrases that unfortunately the denominational world has robbed us of and the thinking has robbed us of because we think, well, I'm going to be like that if I say that. But I think we should say all the time, I'm just turning this over to God. I mean, that, that's Scripture. Yeah, it shouldn't be. But it is a lot of times. Yeah. And I think that's it. And I think that goes back, and we've talked about this before, that goes back to when we do pray for God for help. We pray for Him and give Him the instructions on how to fix it. You know, this is how I want this done. This is how I think this ought to happen. And then it doesn't happen that way, and we get discouraged even more because of it. Instead of saying, okay, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I know what you're able to do, and I know that you're a very present help, in time of trouble, so I'm just going to trust you through it and do the best that I can do. And there's a phrase, there's a scripture that we need to keep in mind as we get down to it here about uh, being still and, and, and seeing God and knowing God. And sometimes that's our problem. We want to fix it ourselves, or we want to try to fix it ourselves, or when we don't know what to do, we run in different directions and we end up making a mess of it. We end up trying to do things ourselves instead of waiting on God to do it. Now, that doesn't mean I just sit on the pew and say, okay, God, bring all the blessings to me, fix all my problems. That's not what, what it means. But it's, it's trusting and understanding that He is a pre very present help. But notice, it says, very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. Now, I've thought about this a lot here, here lately, especially in, in studying for this. There's something to that. It says, because of this... We won't fear. What's the reason it says we shouldn't fear? What do you say previous to that? 
God's our strength. He's our refuge. Very present help in trouble. Therefore, you know, they say every time you see therefore, you need to know what therefore is there for. It's therefore because of something that was previously said. So what was previously said? I don't fear because God is my strength and my refuge, a very present help in trouble. So if I do fear, what does that say about my trust in God? I'm not trusting in Him. And boy, this hit me like a ton of bricks. I'll just tell you. You know, I think about, I, I get discouraged. I'm thinking, I think sometimes, I even made that statement, I think either, this, what's this? This is Wednesday, my week's running together. This week or last week that I'm just, I've had enough. I've had it up to here with, with things that seem like everything goes wrong. Everything happens here. Can't get caught up on this. You can't, and you just start, every, everything just falling apart, it seems like. And then you, you step back and you think, okay, is it really? Is, is there life when we get to that point, do we really think it is? Notice what he says here, and we're going to go back to 1 and 3, but let's jump to 4 and 6, 4 through 6 here. Notice it says, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place, the tabernacle, the Most High. God is in the midst, shall not be moved, shall help her. Uh, well, let's just go back. No, here's where I want to be. I'm sorry. Go back to 1 and 3. He said, I won't fear, because why? Even though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. So here's what he's saying. God's my, my help. He's my strength. He's my refuge and in trouble. He, he, he's very present in trouble. And because of that, I'm not going to fear even though... And notice what the psalmist said. All the things, it's almost like he, he had the worst case scenario. If the whole world natural disaster falls apart, if everything goes wrong, I'm still not going to fear. God is still my refuge and strength, even though the earth be removed, the mountains are carried to the sea, the waters roar, the mountains shake, even though, in other words, he's saying, it doesn't matter what happens. You think of the worst thing that could, could come on all the calamity that could happen, God's still my refuge and my strength. And I will not fear. So it tells me that if I truly trust in God, doesn't mean I won't have problems, doesn't mean I won't have trouble, doesn't mean I won't go through things, but even though those things happen, I'm still not going to fear. No matter what. Whatever comes, does it really matter? Some things I couldn't change anyway. And I tell you what got me thinking about this. You think about, do you ever, you ever watch TV and just want to throw something and just bust the TV because you watch the news? You ever get so mad at the radio that you just want to just scream because all the stuff that's going on, all the, the, the division, all the things, all that? So that's, that's what we get focused on. And then that becomes political and we start down this road and we start down that road and we start down this road. And then we just get so tore up about it, and we forget that's not where it matters anyway, is it? Say our, our whole country goes to pot. Just say it does. Hope it doesn't, but say it does. Say the mountains fall, the, the earth, say these things happen. Does it change the fact that God's our refuge and strength? Does it change the fact that I still shouldn't fear? Because my fear means... I'm not giving God the glory and honor that He deserves. I took it away from Him if I fear. I took it away from Him if I'm focusing on that and not focusing on how I should be as a Christian no matter what happens around me. I tell you, I have to keep preaching this to me every single day. 
I think there's no, no need to get all tore up about that. What I need to do is focus on being a Christian, and whatever happens, I'm still going to be a Christian no matter what. I'm still going to serve God no matter what, because He's still my refuge, He's my strength, a very present help in trouble. Yeah, and we forget God may have put him there, you know, because we may need a good, good whooping, you know. He, he put Pharaoh there for a reason, didn't he? He raised him up for a reason, for him to be, for God to be glorified. God's always going to put someone, that's why we got to be careful. That's why the Bible talks about, uh, uh, in Romans 13, and then in other places, how we've got to make sure and still show honor, because we don't know what God, where God's working. And it's hard. It's hard for me to, to, to separate that to where I look at it and I say, okay, I don't know what's going to happen. I may disagree. I may hate all the trouble that's coming. I may hate all the things that's going on. But God is still in control. There, there's th- it's not that he's causing things to happen, but he knows what's happening. He knows what I'm doing. Most importantly, he knows me. And he knows what my actions and my thoughts are going to be concerning those things. And as it says here, if the mountains fall, so be it. You know, and that, that's, it's hard for us to let go of that, isn't it? It's hard for us to let go because we really, now we need to do all we can to make this life better, but there's still things that's out of our control. That, that we, no matter what we do, it, it may still be that way. Yeah. So, in other words, I trust in God, but I've also got my emergency fund, which is great. Yeah. That's there. Or I'm fine to walk this tightrope as long as there's a net underneath. But I think that comes out in this text of saying, you know, I'm fine living in the floodplain as long as I live next to a mountain. I can go up to the top of that mountain when it's floods. Yeah. What if, what if the mountain gets flooded? You know, <laughs> yeah. when, when the plan B and plan C are taken away from us, that it really puts us to the test of, well, or do we trust God? I, I trust him as long as I can see a path out. You know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, trust him, but have a backup plan. We, we, there is no plan B for a Christian. You know, there's, there, there's just plan A. And it, it's, it's hard because we want, in anything we do in our lives, and I'm speaking for myself, everybody else can answer this for their self, we want to either be in control of it or be able to fix it. At some point, we want some to feel like we have some kind of control of this. Some kind of uh, some kind of actions that that we could do, and sometimes the very best that we can do is still just the very best we can do, because my best is only what one hundred percent. Can't give one hundred one, can we? You know. So quit saying that. Quit quit saying that on the TV and quit saying that everywhere else. You can't give more than one hundred percent. But God won't accept ninety nine, will He? He all He accepts is one hundred percent. So I've got to give that, and once I give that, but I've got to focus that 100% at serving Him, not focusing on trying to do things my way or, or do things my will. I've got to focus on doing His will. So it's, it's not about just standing back and saying, oh, it's not going to matter anyway, so I can't do nothing. But it is a matter of trusting God and knowing He's my refuge, He's my strength, He's a very present help in trouble, and because of that, I will not fear. I think that's where it comes in to where 
we've got to still give God His honor and glory when we're facing those things because that's usually where His honor and glory is, is when we're the weakest. And, and we're finally giving up our dependence, our independence and, and showing our dependence upon Him. That's when He really shines. And that's when He leaves no doubt that He's, he's in control. Uh, but many times it's hard for us to, uh, to face that. But again, you think about... That's why I think the psalmist wrote it this way. Is, you know, you think... And I, I can relate to this because I am a worst-case scenario person. My thoughts always go to worst-case scenario. Okay, if this is worst-case scenario, what's going to happen? So I expect that, and then I'm happy if anything less than that happens. That way I'm never disappointed. You know, if I always think, okay, so this good thing's going to happen, then I'm always disappointed because something always happens, it seems like. So I'm always a worst-case scenario person. But in this case, I think that is how we have to look. Think of the worst as far as this life that we think that could happen. God's still my refuge and strength. So if I think of the worst and I see God still there in what I think's the worst, then really anything else, does it really matter? I've got to think that, okay, even in my worst time, I'm still walking in that light. No matter how dark the world around me gets, that's why it's important to walk in the light, isn't it? I've got to stay focused with that. And part of that is knowing He's a present help, knowing He's my rock, knowing He's my refuge, knowing He's my strength, and because of that, that should change what my perception is to the things that I'm facing. Now, I think that takes discipline. I think that takes practice. I think that takes, you know, exercising our faith to get to that point. And I can tell you, I don't know that I'm at that point, and I don't know what it's going to take to get there, but I think we have to get there, don't we? I think that's where we have to be. Because think about it. We, we go on, you know, you could go to James, and it tells about how uh, uh, life's a vapor, how we make these plans, and we need to say if the Lord will. It's all right to make plans. It's all right to do these things. But life can change like that, can it? Now, I'm not trying to be a doom and gloom preacher, but it can change. It can either change like that for the good, or it can change like that for the bad. Some of it is dependent upon my actions. Some of it may depend upon somebody else's actions. But either way, it could change. How am I going to be in that moment? My focus still needs to be upon God. You know, it still needs to be on... Uh, I was listening when I was mowing, uh, whatever day it was. I forgot what day it was now. Monday. What's today? Wednesday. Monday evening. <laughs> and I was listening to a podcast on... Uh, and they were talking about pain and suffering and sorrow and... They were going through a lot of the normal things that you go through that you would say that you usually hear sermons on. And the more I thought about it, I thought, this to me brings me more comfort than these other things that I've always tried to tell myself. You know, I've always, you know, look at all these individuals that have suffered in the Bible and how they got through it and things. I like this one because it just tells you, okay, you think about the worst things going to happen, God's still going to be there. And you still trust in Him. And to me, I think that just jumps right to the point. Uh, that, that kind of, I, I kind of stopped mowing for just a minute when I thought about that. I thought, you know, here's what Psalm 46 is saying. That brings me more comfort than you know, a lot of this other preacher talk sometimes. Any other thoughts about this? Does it make sense? I mean, it pretty well simplifies it, doesn't it? 
It pretty well tells us that, okay, I don't know what I'm going to face. I don't know what I'm going to go through tomorrow. And I, I've had people tell me that. Well, Ronald, I don't know that I could be faithful tomorrow. Who does? Do you know for a matter of fact, 100%, that your faith is going to not waver at all tomorrow? I don't know that I could say that. I'm not faced with what I'm faced tomorrow with yet. Yeah, you, you, you don't know. What's that? Yeah, it may not be a tomorrow, you know. Uh, like, a, who was it? Uh, Apollo Creed uh, told Rocky, there is no tomorrow. You've got you to gotta live like there's no tomorrow, you know. You, that, that's how you have to be, because you don't know. So all I know is this present that I'm in right now. And this present I'm in right now is, what do you say? A very present help in trouble. So where I'm at right now is where God is with me, is where I should be. But if I'm walking in that light, no matter what happens around me. But notice what he says here. Let's go on now to 4 through 6 here. Uh, he says, There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. Uh, she shall not be moved. God shall help her just as the break of dawn. The nations raised, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. Now, there, there's a lot that's packed into these few verses here. There's, there's a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. The psalmist pictured the abundant, constant provisions of, of, of God. And I think it goes back to the city of refuge. Here you have the city of God, which is a refuge and their strength. And you think about how cities were back then. If an army was going to come and, and attack you, where would you want to be? Outside the city or inside the city? You'd want to be inside. You'd want to be fortified. You'd want to be, you know, uh, in there as protected as you possibly could be. So the psalmist here is saying, okay, it's like that, but it's even better. You, you've got everything that you need for your protection in this city of God. You know, every, everything that you need to sustain you in life is there. Your protection, your sustenance, your, everything that you need, it's, it's there in that city. Um, and when you think about how the Bible describes uh, the city of God, that, that's, that's what it's like. You know, you think about uh, even, you know, pain and suffering and, and, and all the things. Well, what's the reason that we have that to begin with? At the very beginning, when, when you go through the Genesis account of creation, where in that does it say that God created pain, suffering, disease, loss, these things? What day did he create that? Yeah. 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 Now think about this too. When he, when he told uh, uh, told Adam and he told Eve, okay, because you've done this, Adam, here's what you're going to do. You're going to work the sweat of your brow. Is that the first time you think Adam ever had to work the ground? Hmm? I don't think so. But that's the first time he worked the ground with what? Thorns and thistles. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he still worked, but now he worked because there was, there was things there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, see, I think that's the same thing. I'm not comparing working the ground like giving birth, but Adam's pain was now, okay, you not only have to work it, you have to work it, and here's what you have to deal with doing it. There's going to be, it, it's going to be truly labor. And then just like uh, with Eve now, I, I, you know, I used to think that until I was reading this and studying more about it and thinking about it. I used to think, well, what Adam and Eve do, just lay around the garden and just pick fruit off the trees, you know? You know, that's how I guess I pictured it in my mind, but I, I think I'm like Titus. I don't believe that's the first time he ever had ever tilled the ground, but I think it's the first time he did with weeds and thorns and thistles and those types. I don't think they were there until then, I don't believe. He probably just knew that it was going to grow in paradise. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I guess the point I was trying to make was, you've got, you know, God has all this. What come is because of the curse of sin. That's where all the pain, suffering, heartache come. But you think about how the garden was before then is is what it's describing here. Um, I may have wrote down a verse. I may not have gave it to you, Titus, but uh, let's see. Genesis two. Can you put that up there? Verses 10 through 14. I wrote it down, but I didn't give it to you. But you think about how the Garden of Eden was then before the curse of sin that brought death, disease, and sorrow. This is, I think, what he's describing here. It says, Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first was uh, Pishon, and it, it is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. And, and he goes on, and as he, I'm going to read all these words. But as he goes through, he's describing how great this, this river is that runs through there that brings, that brings life. You know, it's, it, 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 it's, that's what the psalmist, I believe, is talking about here when he's talking about the city of God. And he talks about this river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. It's, you know, that's what you need to survive is water, isn't it? And if you're in that, this refuge of, of God, you have what you need to sustain you in life. Now, it may not be, you know, as we think in this life, the best that there is, but it actually is. God gives us the things that actually we need for our life, to sustain us in our life. So if we think of God as our refuge and our strength, and this present help in trouble, think of it as you're in this fortified city as a Christian, and it's not that, that things aren't coming at you and going to happen. You just, you have protection. To tend and keep it. Yeah. yeah. And basically what it is, is even when God provides for us, he does that not so we can, like you said earlier, sit and say, okay, God, give it. He provides so we can work. Yeah. He provides so we can do the work that matters. Yeah, right. And, and man got it to where it makes it harder on yourself <laughs> by the by curse of sin. So, I, I mean, there's, it's, God gives us what we need to be able to, to do the things that we need to do, and he protects us. I guess the point I want to make, when these troubles come in our life, we need to realize as a Christian, it's not that we're in a bubble and nothing can touch us, but ultimately the world can't touch our faith unless we let it, can they? They may physically harm us, but if we're walking in that light and we're that, that, that have that spiritual protection of God as far as not walking by sight but walking by faith, what really can this world do? What really can, can happen that 
we can't overcome it with our faith. It doesn't mean that it won't be horrible. It doesn't mean that it won't. There, there's times that things happen that helps us to realize this world's not our home. And that's a hard reality sometimes because we put all our eggs in the basket here and think this world is all there is. And there's some things that happen to let us know this world is not all that there is. So even if there's something that, that brings us into check with that, it still shouldn't take our faith away. Our faith should still be there. Matter of fact, that's when our faith needs to be the strongest because that's when God's honor and glory, that's when His strength is shown the most, isn't it? On how we respond to what's, what's going. How else is God going to be glorified and honored if it isn't through us? How's He going to do that? You know, you, you think about even Pharaoh. You know, we think about... Uh, you know, how bad things can get today with our leaders. But you think about Pharaoh, whatever decision that Pharaoh made, God was going to be glorified, wouldn't he? He didn't let them go. Was, he glorified? was God glorified because Pharaoh didn't let his people go? He was glorified through those plagues, wouldn't he? God showed his power through the plagues when Pharaoh didn't do what he was supposed to do. When Pharaoh let them go, God was glorified, wouldn't he? You think of Nebuchadnezzar with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There wasn't nothing he could do to them. God was glorified either way. So you, you, you bring this down to every event. There's opportunity for God to be glorified in the best and in the worst of what happens in this world. It's up to us how we respond to make sure he is. And, and that's not easy to do sometimes. Oh, yeah. And I think we miss blessings like that. I, I think a lot. How many blessings did, have I missed because I didn't take an opportunity that God put before me? His will was still done and carried out. I just may not have been the one to do it, and I may have missed the blessing because of it. Um, but here he's, I, I think, verses 4 through 6, I think it's showing that though the nations rage around us and the things happen, we're in this fortified city of God that... The only way that they can touch us is if we let them. The only way they can touch us spiritually in, in uh, our faith is if we let them do that. They may kill our bodies. You know, they make it, may make it miserable for us to walk down the streets, and it just seems horrible. Though I've not seen anybody fed to a lion yet. I've not seen anybody sawn in two. I've not, have you? I've not seen them burned to the stake yet. As far as around me, anyway, I hadn't seen that. So I don't think it's quite got as bad, you know, as... Sometimes we think it is, but if it come to that, what would we do? If the world crumbled around us, we still have, there's a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. His, his provisions make us glad, so we can still be glad in a world that seems like it's crumbling around us. We can still have joy, can't we? Yeah, it's... Now, I'm saying this for probably as much or more my benefit as it is for y'all because I have to keep telling myself this. You know, uh, I have to keep telling myself, it, it, does it really matter? All these things that we just think are so important or just so awful that's around us, well, yeah, times are changing. And, you know, there, there's things that, you know, we could talk to our parents and grandparents, things that they went through that we didn't have to face. 
you know, they're seeing things now that maybe we're going through that, that uh, uh, their parents didn't face. So it, it, every generation faces their own troubles and problems. But during every generation, guess what? Still the same God. Still the same present help in time of trouble. He's not changed a bit. No matter what happens around us, we still have that string that makes the city of God glad, that holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. And God's in the midst. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. I like that, at the break of dawn. Don't things seem better at dawn? The night's when it seems the worst. If you can just get to the daylight, you know, you get to the daylight, things just look a lot better or seem a lot better. Don't seem as dark, don't seem as dreary, don't seem as bad. And he says, just, at the, just like the break of dawn, even though the kingdoms are raging around us. Ezekiel 47 and verse 12 says, Along the bank of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither. Their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. Now you think about how the prophets wrote uh, about this, and I, I was reading some things about this, and uh, they wrote, a lot of people said, well, they were writing about Jerusalem and the tabernacle and the river. There wasn't a great river that run through Jerusalem. It was a lot of little rivers. I, I think the prophets were talking about in the future, like Revelations 22 and 1, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God, and of the Lamb. This future reality is, I think, is already in the mind of the psalmist here. You know, you, you, you think about what it's going to be like. Well, we, we get a taste of that as far as our Christianity here. We, our, our faith is, is telling us, okay, I, I'm, I'm still getting my strength from these provisions that God is providing, and ultimately one day we'll be right in the midst of it. But we're still getting that strength from it now. Because this world is not our home. Our, our roots aren't here. Our, you know, we're, we're just sojourners. We're just pilgrims. This isn't our home, even though we think it is for many years, and we think it always will be, but it's not. And I think if we just keep those things, I think we can have that abundant life that Jesus promised us because we can enjoy this life. This life is made for our enjoyment. You know, you hear a lot of sermons on what's the purpose of life. Well, the purpose is this, or the purpose is this. Purpose is to be God's creation, to, to, to be workers as he created us to be, to do the good work that he's created us to do, and, and to live the life that he wants us to live. You know, it's, it, it's not about all I can get out of this world, all that I can do in this world, and all I can fuss about that's going on in this world. This world is all, when we're dead and gone, you know, somebody said this the other day about something. They said, you know, uh, our grandkids will still be fighting, and great-grandkids and great-great-grandkids will still be fighting over things that we're fighting over today. And it's, it's sad because it, that, that's not going to change. Um, when we look at it in just the terms of just the here and now, and I think this psalmist looks well beyond, uh, well beyond that. And notice how he his confidence in God. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, and the earth melted. So he, he's even saying here, okay, with all that happens, look how powerful God is. God can just utter uh, his voice, 
and look what will take place. And I, I think that's a, a, a wonderful example of seeing uh, what God can do and how God can be. And he goes on and describes this. Look at verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So in describing the Lord of hosts, this is, this is a, a, a Lord that's over, over militaries, over, you know, you think about war, God stops war, in essence, with war. In other words, he's, he's stronger than any, any enemy that could even come our way. And the children of Israel knew this for a while. Remember, as long as, long as God went before them, they could, they could whoop anybody. And they could stop anybody. But when they stopped serving God and started doing it on their own, then it didn't take very many people to beat them. Because they didn't have God with them. God was no longer their strength and their refuge. They were. You know, I did this. I think that's why all throughout the Old Testament they had to be reminded, you're not the ones that built these buildings. You're not the ones that did this. You're not the ones that took this land. You're not the ones that built these things. You didn't do this. God did. You know, and, and then the next generation forgets that, forgets the, the sacrifice that was made by their ancestors, and their ancestors forgot, well, it was God that went before them to do that. And each generation, we just forget that because you get farther and farther away and realize who really is the reason for this, and it's God. Look at verses 8 and 9. Come behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolation in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, cuts the spears in two. He burns the chariots in fire. So it's saying here, when, when God's on our side and God goes before us, He not only stops the war, anything that they're fighting with gets torn in two. Has God ever left any doubt that it was Him doing it when He did it? You can go to uh, Elijah on the Mount, Mount Carmel there. You know, God didn't leave any Room for imagination was, was it really God or was it not God? Remember he poured water on it, he dug the trench around it, kept pouring water on it, and God consumed it like it was nothing. He made sure that he knew, that those around knew it was God that was doing it. So when God fights for us, you know, we're in this city of refuge, uh, the city of God refuge, he's, he's there, he's our refuge and strength. He goes far beyond what we even think he can do for us. He says, you look out there, it's not only he's destroyed the enemy, anything they were fighting with is destroyed. Anything that goes against God is going to be destroyed. The victory's already been won. You know, we've got to keep telling ourselves, we just got to decide which side we're going to be on. It's not who's going to win the war, that's already been decided. We just got to decide which, which side that we're going uh, to be on. Verse 10 says, because of all of this, be still and know that I am God. Here's the psalmist is talking about God and what all God can do. Now God is saying, listen to me. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He didn't say he might be or he wished he could. He said, I'm going to be. I'm going to be exalted by the nations. I'm going, people are going to know this and what you need to do is be still and know that I'm God. I think this is for us and our enemies both. I think we need to sometimes get out of the way of our own understanding of it, our own thinking, our own wanting to fix it or wanting to tell God how to do it, get out of the way, and our enemies need to understand too, you're going to know He's God. Because I tell you, you go through, I, I can think, 
just off the top of my head, several situations, but one in particular, you, you think about how you, you think your life is just going so bad, and you think, well, why did this happen to me, or why did my life turn out like this? And then all of a sudden, as time goes on, you find out that you get in a situation to where you're more happy than you ever been. So if you hadn't gone through this hard part, and you just kind of be still for a little while and wait on God, you would have never got to this good part. And sometimes we have to go through the bad part to get to the good part. And sometimes we just have to be still and wait on God. Children of Israel had to do that. Remember, they got to the uh, uh, Red Sea there, the Egyptian army behind them. They didn't know where to go. Remember what uh, God said? Be still and see the power of God. Yeah, you don't know what you're going to do. You think you're in the worst situation you've ever been in your life and there's absolutely no hope. God said, that's when I'm going to show you the hope. That's when I'm going to show you what, what can happen. And then, what's that? Providence, Providence exactly. Well, we got one more verse. We can get that in. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of refuge. I already read that. I read that out of, out of line anyway. So, that's right, that's right, it's in there twice. That's right. Okay, we already talked about it anyway. All righty. Thank you for listening. I enjoyed that chapter.